listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, Today uh, is going to kind of tie in a little bit. Good morning, Fabian. Uh, We're going to tie it in a little bit, uh, as you saw in the title, End Time Alert. We're going to be talking about uh, the fact that not only we are in the end times and have been for a long time, but three things that believers need to do immediately, immediately. And these are based on uh, Bible prophecy, prophecies from Paul and uh, prophecy from Jesus. And uh, we need to make sure that we are, are doing these things immediately. There's no time to waste. I'm sure you feel the urgency like I do. Time is running out. Jesus is coming soon. And so we have to be uh, on top of uh, what he's called us to do. So we're going to tackle that today. Three things that we need to be doing immediately. Uh, and then I'll give you some, some announcements at the end of the broadcast today. But uh, I would like you to share it if you would and get the word out. Uh, share it on all platforms, whatever you're watching on. Um, for some reason, Restream doesn't let us see those that watch or comment on Twitter for some reason. I don't know if it's because they changed from Periscope to Twitter Live or what. But wherever you might be watching from, thanks for sharing it. Really appreciate it. And if you're watching the replay, welcome. If you're listening on the podcast, welcome. Love you guys a lot. Um, I'm going to take you through uh, three Bible passages and talk to you about the importance of what we should be doing, actionable steps right now as we are living in the final moments of time. Um, And and it's not necessarily going to be a a broadcast on prophecy. However, I'm talking about prophecy. But uh, recently I I, I did a broadcast where I said, you know, people think, you know, are we living in the last days? And I talked about it, that we've been in the last days for 2000 years. The apostle Peter said uh, this talking about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel when he said, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So uh, Peter was telling everybody, these are the last days. They've begun. That was 2,000 years ago. So what I believe is that we're in the final moments of the last days before Jesus comes. Um, all of the things you see Jesus uh, prophesy are ramping up. It, one thing that it is important to remember is that uh, it's not like you're going to see a sign of the rapture. Um, you, you know what I mean by that? Because the rapture is a signless coming. The Bible says Christ will come like a thief in the night. So it's not like you're going to see a sign and then be like, oh, the rapture is very... But it's all these signs that uh, are ramping up. And Jesus likened it to birth pains for a pregnant woman. And anybody that's on the broadcast and you've had uh, a baby or you've, you've had children, uh, you know how it works. You, you're pregnant, but through that period of time, not only does the child grow, but then when you get to the end of your pregnancy, then you start to have... Um, uh, different signs that the baby is coming very soon. And then you start to have contractions, but what happens during those contractions, they start getting closer and closer together. And so the signs of Christ coming, according to him are like contractions for a pregnant woman that those contractions, yes, they've been happening, but now they are getting closer and closer together and they're getting more intense, right? If you've ever been to the hospital and you know, you're pregnant, maybe it was your first child and you ran in, you're like, I think I'm having the baby. And then they say, well, have you had contractions? How far apart are they? And sometimes people get sent home and they tell you, don't come back until your contractions are, you know, five or so minutes apart. And so what does that mean? It means that as the contractions, those are signs that the baby is coming as they get closer and closer together and they ramp up in intensity, then you know that the baby is coming soon. Jesus made that same reference. Uh, He said that it will be like birth pains. So it's not that we've never seen 
these things happened before, right? The things that were prophesied by Christ. It's not like we've never seen violence. It's not like we've never seen corruption. It's not like we've never seen perversion. He just said that as you see the coming approaching, these things will ramp up and become more and more uh, intense. And it'll be like it was in Noah's day and in Lot's day, right? So we're seeing those things ramp up as Jesus prophesied that they would. And that's where we need to keep our eyes understanding that yes, these types of things have happened for 2000 years, but now it's at an unprecedented high. These things are at an unprecedented high. Violence, corruption, perversion, even natural disasters that the Bible talked about. We've had, I read one statistic that said we've had more earthquakes since World War II than in the history of the world. Think about that for a minute. More earthquakes since World War II than in the history of the world. So all these things are ramping up. All these things are. So we know that that time is coming uh, closer and closer. And so I want to take you through three of these things, end time alert, and talk about three things that we as Christians need to be doing right now. There's no delay. We cannot delay uh, in taking these actions as we know Jesus is coming soon. The other thing is there is a danger in the last days, even for Christians, there's a danger for Christians. Well, what's the, what's the danger for Christians? The danger for Christians is that Bible prophecy tells us that in the last days that the hearts or the love of many will grow cold and many will fall away from the faith. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but uh, we need to understand that that's going to be a trend. And if you're, if you're on with me right now and, and you're, you're listening live, put it in the comments. There will be a trend of apostasy. Put that in the comments. There will be a trend and already is of apostasy. That is uh, people leaving the faith. And there's already, that's already begun to happen. Like, like never more, like never before, I should say. So, uh, a trend of apostasy. We're seeing that as a fulfillment of end time Bible prophecy. So let me take you through. So I'm not just going to take you through the three things. I'm going to give you the solution. What we should do right now as Christians, what should we do right now as Christians? Okay. So let me take you to the first passage, which is second Timothy chapter three. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look first at second Timothy chapter three, and we're going to look through verses one through five, second Timothy chapter three, verses one through five. Let's read it together. Look, listen, listen to what the Bible says. Paul obviously teaching. If you didn't know, Paul wrote this letter to Timothy and it's his last letter of his life. Um, but understand this verse one, that in the last days, that's now. There will come times of difficulty for people will be. Now, this is the describing the difficulty. This is the difficulty. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power avoid such people. Okay. So there, there's the first five verses of second Timothy three, Paul prophesying. He's prophesying about the last days. He said, these are the signs of the difficulty that is to come. And so he gives you a checklist of all of the things that will start to become the natural attributes 
of people, even Christians on the earth. And it's the thing that begins to lead to their apostasy thing that starts to lead them away from, uh, the body of Christ, which by the way, if you're, if you're new to this channel, if you're new to my ministry, of course, the belief that we hold is that it is possible to walk away from your salvation covenant. We do not believe that, uh, once you get saved, you are saved forever. And there's nothing that will stop that from, uh, continuing that you'll, no matter what you do in personal action, you'll remain saved until death and then end up in heaven. We do believe that God requires faithfulness from his people, that you can't be saved by works. The Bible's clear on that. But once you get saved, God wants to see some works from his people. That's what the book of James is about. Faith without works is dead being alone. And so God looks for obedience from his children. And so there are things you can do that can take you away from, uh, your salvation covenant. Now, I believe it's a lot harder than some people preach that it is because I believe God is merciful. And I believe that God, uh, gives people a space to repent. I believe that God gives people time to hear his voice and to be convicted and to come back into line with his written word and to do what he's asked them to do. He's a merciful God. And we're thankful for that. Very thankful for that, that he's a merciful, loving God, but, uh, you can frustrate grace. Paul taught that you can frustrate the grace of God. And so, uh, it's not, uh, unlimited. I should say it's not unlimited. You can't just get saved and then do whatever you want for the rest of your life. That's not what salvation is. And so Paul said in the final moments of time, you're going to see people that are lovers of themselves. We're seeing that like never before people that are arrogant, abusive, lovers of money. They're, they're disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless. I mean, all these things, you just take a look around. And we're seeing that today, even in the body of Christ, we're seeing people in the body of Christ that do love money. Now, listen, this is something for me to say. And I believe wholeheartedly in prosperity. I believe wholeheartedly in the provision of God. I believe that he's interested uh, in the well-being of his children. I don't believe that it's just something that's limited to the United States of America. I don't believe that it's the American gospel. I believe God is interested in providing for his children so that they have more than enough to do what they're called to do. But uh, because some have not stayed in the spirit and been uh, allowed themselves to be corrected by God's word, there are some people that love money. And that's the Bible says that's a danger because it is the root of all kinds of evil. Very clear about that. The love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so we don't love money. That's, you know, that is one of the ways to end yourself very quickly is to begin to to love money because Jesus taught you cannot love God and mammon or money. You can't love both. You'll love one and you'll hate the other. So Jesus is actually teaching that if you love money, it will cause you to hate God. If you love God, then you don't have a love of money. You can't have both. They are diametrically opposed. You cannot love God and love money. And if you love money, according to Christ, you'll hate God. And so we have to be very careful that we don't, uh, have idols or, uh, live in a modern day idolatry that we have things lifted up higher than God in our lives. And there's people that do that with all kinds of things, sports, you know, vacations. There's people that lift things above their relationship with God, travel, baseball, you know, their lake house, their boat. Well, we don't go to church in the summer. That's our time to be with our family at the lake house. So they're, they're taking a break from God. So your lake house is more important than God. Your boat is more important than God. Travel baseball is more important than God. You see what I mean? So there are things that people lift as idols above the Lord God. And it's a mistake. It's a mistake. 
And so Paul's listing these things. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's the point I'm making. They'd rather be on vacation. They'd rather be out doing travel based. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They have an appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. And, and it's, isn't this interesting? You won't hear this from the modern day uh, uh, grace teachers. Avoid such people. Well, we love everybody. You know, we don't do that. We don't pass judgment. You know, we just, we just love everybody. We just hang with it. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said, avoid them. When you see those characteristics, avoid those people. Food. That's another one, Jeff. Food, the God of your belly. There's Christians that have never fasted a day in their life, a day in their life. And the Bible actually says, and, uh, that there are people that their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. It's absolutely true. You see it in North America. There are people that are, they've made food an idol. It controls them. That's why one third of Americans have diabetes or prediabetes right now, right now. We live in a culture where food has become people's God. They're controlled by it. And so Paul said, watch out for these things. These will be signs of what people look like in the last days. And they're all destructive. Every last one of these is destructive. I mean, we live in a selfie culture. I mean, crazy. How many people have filled their social media with just pictures of their face that they've over-edited, over-edited, over-edited? It has to go through seven different apps before you can even post a picture of yourself online. You know, and I'm, you know, whatever. But you, you see what I mean? It's like, I've, I've met people in real life and it's not, I'm like, I don't even know you. I, I knew you from social media. You don't look like any of the pictures that I saw online. You're a totally different person in real life. Well, what's the story? People are lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves, the Bible says. Uh, proud. We see pride and arrogance. I mean, flying through our culture. And so these are all signs. Well, this is, this is step one. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do as Christians to avoid this end time alert? This first end time problem, this, this list that Paul gave us. This is the list Paul gave us. Well, here is the, here's the answer. I'm gonna give you three keys real quick for this one, this one answer. You ready? One, two, and three. First of all, humility. Secondly, gratefulness. And third, self-control. Glad you're watching from Kenya, Sylvia. Thanks for joining us. So put those in the comments. Humility, gratefulness, self-control. For this first alert, there are three things that we need to have in place. Humility, gratefulness, and self-control. So vital. If you want to see God exalt you, you have to humble yourself. You have to humble yourself and then God will exalt you. So humility, gratefulness, and self-control. These three elements will ensure that we are never destroyed by the list the apostle Paul just gave us in second Timothy chapter three. Let's break them down one more time and look at our answers. Uh, number one, people will be lovers of themselves. So rather than being a lover, a lover of yourself, what are you going to be humble, humble, I'm going to prefer others above myself. Humility. There'll be lovers of money. Well, what am I going to be? What am I going to, I'm going to use all of these really in lovers of money. I'm going to be humble. No, I'm not a lover of money. I'm going to be grateful for what I have. I'm not going to live in greed. I'm not going to live in greed and covetousness. And then self-controlled. Self-controlled. I'm going to use all three of those things so that I'm not be, becoming a lover of money. Proud. What am I going to do with pride? Humility. Humility, arrogant, again, humility, abusive. Nope. I've got self-control. I've got self-control, uh, disobedient to their parents. Nope. I got self-control and I've got humility. Ungrateful. No, I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, coming directly against that prophecy by using self-control to remain thankful and grateful throughout my whole life. In fact, you ought to wake up every morning. I did it again today. You ought to wake up every morning and just begin to verbally thank God for what he's given you. Just wake up and begin to thank him for his goodness. 
Wake up and thank him for his grace. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his power. Thank him for his majesty, his holiness. Begin to thank him for what he's provided for you. Thank him for Jesus. Thank him for the blood of Jesus. Thank him for redemption. Just begin to thank him every morning. Let it be the first thing you do. Not check your social media updates, not check the weather, not roll out and look at your text messages. Wake up and begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. Unholy, no, we've got self-control. Heartless, no, not gonna be heartless. Uh, I'm actually gonna have humility and self-control and walk in love towards others. I'm gonna have compassion for others. Unappeasable, nope, I've got self-control. Slanderous, nope, I've got self-control. Not gonna slander others. Even when I feel like it, I'm gonna use self-control to instead speak well of others or not speak. Without self-control, no, I've got self-control. Brutal, no. Not loving good, no. See, this is what people, people, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, have an appearance of godliness, denying its power. You can see how these three small answers play a massive part in keeping you from this first end time alert. Just three, just literally three attributes. Three attributes will save you from a world of hurt. A world of hurt, humility, gratefulness, self-control, right off the bat. And this is just the first alert of the three. And you, you start to look at that. Then people don't understand sometimes because they've heard for so long how important love is. You know, love, love, uh, these three things, faith, hope, and love will endure forever, but the greatest of these is love. Paul wrote that to the Corinthians. And I agree, of course, that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But remember this, because people always are, they're a little thrown off when I'm like, of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control is the most important of the nine. And people look at me, no, no, brother, love, love is the highest of all, love uh, faith, hope, and love, and the, mo- the, mo- the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest fruit of the Spirit. No, it's not. It's not. Self-control is the most important of the fruit of the Spirit. You say, well, why do you say that? Why do you, why do you make that argument? For this very reason. All of the fruit of the Spirit, all nine of them, are choices. They don't automatically happen in your life. You can't tell me that every Christian is automatically walking in love. You can't tell me that all Christians are automatically walking in love. There have been times that you're, those of you that are watching me right now, there have been times that you've not walked in love and you're a Christian. There's been times I've not walked in love and I'm a Christian. So love, the love walk doesn't happen automatically. Joy, you're not, you're not automatically walking in joy. You're not automatically walking in peace or patience. I mean, lift, literally lift your hand if you've been impatient with someone or something in the last week. I mean, impatience, you know, patience is a fruit of the spirit, but every one of us know that patience is a choice. Patience is a fruit of the spirit, but we've got to make the choice to be patient with others right? Gentleness. Gentleness is a fruit of the spirit, but we've got to choose to be gentle with others. Gentle responses. You know, for the, for example, how, how you respond to others when they say things that, <laughs> you know, you'd like to slap them for. And so it's a choice. And that's why I say self-control is the most important of the nine fruit of the spirit, because without it, you don't have the power to make the choice to walk in love or to make the choice to walk in peace or joy or gentleness or patience. You don't have it, but notice the Holy ghost empowers you to have self-control. And because the Holy ghost empowers you to have self-control, you can walk in love. Even when you don't feel like walking in love, you can walk in peace and joy and patience and gentle. Even when you don't feel like it, you're empowered to have self-control. Hallelujah. Deborah, I would never slap you. (laughs) Please don't slap me, Ted. I would never slap you. (laughs) But the Holy Ghost helps us. He empowers us. See, that's what's so powerful, that when we get the Holy Ghost, He is an empowering force 
to walk. You know what I call the fruit of the spirit? I call them the personality traits of Jesus Christ. The fruit of the spirit are the personality traits of Jesus Christ. Helps us to become more like Christ. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to take those actions, right? And so that's why I tell you self-control. And when we look at these three things I've just given you, humility, gratefulness, self-control. If we would just harness those three attributes by the power of the Holy Ghost, do you realize it would literally eliminate probably 80% of the issues that the end time individual is going to deal with before Jesus comes just by keeping those three things in front of your face. Hallelujah. And you could, I don't care how you have to do it. Uh, put a post-it note on your mirror in the bathroom with those three words just written out. Put it in your visor of your car. So when you're going to work, it's in front of your face, humility, gratefulness, self-control. It reminds yourself today while I'm at work, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to have self-control. Today, when I deal with my family, I'm going to be humble, grateful, have self-control, whatever it might be. And then you have to, you have to walk out and work out your salvation personally. Let the Holy Ghost lead you, guide you and empower you. Amen. So that's number one. That's the first alert that we have to keep our eyes on. Number two, go with me to second Timothy four. Now we're one chapter over second Timothy chapter four. And let's read this again. I'll start with verse number one. So we're one chapter over second Timothy four, one through four. Listen to this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming. Now listen to this very carefully for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So let me deal with this quickly. Another prophecy from Paul that in the last days there will be a time and, and I, we're living in the time, by the way, we're living in that day where people will not endure sound teaching. Now, I wanted to show you this because I find it to be very interesting. The word here in the, in the Greek language uh, that's translated into English, sound, it actually is the word healthy. It's the word healthy. So truly, the Apostle Paul is saying here, there will come a time that people will not endure healthy teaching, healthy doctrine. Man, I mean, this is powerful. This is powerful. They will not endure healthy doctrine, healthy teaching. Hmm. So, so get this in your spirit. I mean, I just, I, I just heard, uh, yesterday there's somebody that has now changed their identity and they've changed their whole lifestyle. You know, they used to claim to, to live for Christ and follow the word. They've changed their lifestyle. They've changed their identity. And now they're attending an LGBTQIA affirming church that hangs the flags through the whole church and everything like that. And so what does that mean? Well, it's not even hard to see that those things are uh, sinful. You know, that that viewpoint is sinful, that that that's something that's not only displeasing to God, but is an abomination to God. But what are we seeing? We're seeing people who will not endure sound or healthy teaching and doctrine. So what do they do? They accumulate to themselves teachers who will teach what their itching ears want to hear. So what is it instead of sound doctrine? It's unhealthy doctrine, unhealthy. What does it do? It produces unhealthy, diseased 
people, and I'm talking about spiritually, it produces unhealthy, diseased people. Put this in the comments section. Unhealthy doctrine produces unhealthy people. Unhealthy teachers and teaching produces unhealthy people. Again, put it in the comments. Unhealthy teaching produces unhealthy people. And it ends up, you end up in destruction because you're actually receiving something that is contrary to the holy word of God. It's demonic. Doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils. But we're seeing it. Unhealthy teaching produces unhealthy people. That's why Paul said that we've got to uh, preach sound doctrine. Preach healthy doctrine. What's healthy doctrine? What the Holy Ghost gave us through the written word of God. I mean, how can you, people are so blind by the, the age that we're living in that they'll totally ignore all of Romans chapter one and then go and start churches like that or transition churches into those types of churches and hang rainbow flags around the lobby and put it outside their door so everybody knows that this is where, this is where you can come if you want to tr truly hear about love and the love of God. No, it's where you can go to go to hell. That's where you can go to go to hell because you're going to hear unhealthy doctrines of devils that will cause you to go to hell if you believe that and live that way. Well, it's, a pro it's an end time prophecy that there will be people who will not endure sound doctrine. So what's the result of that? They are looking for, their itching ears, their fleshly ears are looking for unhealthy doctrine that will uh, affirm the things that they want to do in their lives. Forget that God's the one who defines his word and defines uh, what's, what's right, what's wrong. There is an objective standard. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And so you've got doctrines of devils being taught uh, by people that I truly believe many of them are demonized. If you look at them, there was a church recently, an old time denominational church that's now fully transitioned that had a drag queen on Sunday, a drag queen. Oh, we're being, listen, brother, we're all about diversity in our church. No, you're leading people directly to hell and you've, uh, you've welcomed in a spirit of perversion and a demonic agenda into your church. And it's no longer a church. If you want to know the truth about it, it's not a church. It's a building with people gathering, but it's not a church because the church is defined by God. And those that are a part of the church are defined by God. Christians are defined by what God says they are, not what people say they are. So here's another area where uh, it's an alert for the last days. Because let me just give you some help here. If you talk like this and you believe like this, you immediately get smashed as somebody that doesn't, you don't have any love for people. You don't love people. You're just, you're, you're a, a bigot. You're, you, you've got You've got no empathy. You don't understand people and you don't love people. And you're, you're just to be an, uh, an authoritarian and blah, 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 blah. Not even remembering that it's not even my opinion. I'm not preaching my opinion to you. That's why we have the Holy word of God that has existed for thousands of years and was inspired by the Holy spirit. <laughs> it sets our objective standard. I'm not preaching my opinion to you. It's the word of God. God defines what he wants and what he doesn't want. And people, what they're, who they're really mad at is God, but because they can't yell at God, they'll yell at you. And that's exactly how it works. Because they can't yell at God, they'll yell at you. They're mad at you when they're really mad at what God said, because their minds are darkened and they're dead in trespasses and in sins. And they're trying to act like they're alive in Christ. They're not alive in Christ. It's like putting perfume in a suit on a corpse and sitting them in a building. Doesn't mean you're alive because you have a suit on and you got perfume on. It doesn't mean anything that they've got you propped up in the pew while the music's going. It doesn't mean anything. You're dead in trespasses and in sins. You can, you can say you're alive all you want. You can say that you belong to Jesus. You can say you love God all you want. But Jesus was very clear. 
in John 14, 21, that the only people that truly love him are the ones who obey his commands. That's it. John 14, 21. You can, talk is cheap. You can say you love God all day long. Do you obey his word? Because if you don't obey his word, the Bible says it's a lie. You saying you love God is a lie if you're not obeying the word. Yeah. Slingshot kid. How many know we all sin differently? Amen. Some, some of us, you know, have taken some paper clips from work. Others of us are having homosexual sex. You know, we're, no. The, the people, and that's, and by the way, this is why, if you've ever heard me uh, go so hard against the hyper grace message, there's a reason that it's, this is a doctrine of devils, if you didn't know. This modern day hyper grace message that's being taught in the body of Christ is a doctrine of devils. If you don't have this book by Dr. Michael Brown entitled Hyper Grace, you need to buy it as soon as possible. You can get it on Kindle right now. Buy it and read it and understand that it is a demonic doctrine of devils. It's exactly what it is. It teaches things that are completely contradictory to the word of God. And people are swallowing it hook, line, and sinker because they want to live like they want to live and not obey the word of God. So they've modified the scripture to live the life they want to live and in doing so have turned their back on God. They've turned their back on God. And I'm going to tell you something. These preachers that are preaching that your actions don't matter after salvation because your past, present, and future sins have already been forgiven and you, you know, your sins don't, nothing matter. And they've gone on to now teach that 1 John 1, 9 is not even for Christians and Christians don't even need to repent if they do sin. You know, if you're a Christian and you sin, you don't need to ask for forgiveness. You don't need to repent. You just, you just, you know, you're, you don't even know that your future sins are already forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Total demonic doctrine that takes the responsibility that God's looking for off of the Christian. And so, you know, I don't care if you're a reformed Calvinist or if you're a Pentecostal, eat both of those believe if you're a reformed Calvinist, the fifth point of Calvinism is the perseverance or the preservation of the saints, depending on which side of the, of the aisle you line up on that. Either God will preserve you and cause you to keep taking righteous actions, or uh, you will persevere in righteous actions until Jesus comes. Okay, well, what's the point of the fifth point of Calvinism? Is that the fruit of someone's life should be the proof that they are now alive in Christ. Teresa, the book is called Hyper Grace by Dr. Michael Brown. The proof of your Christianity should be the fruit of your life. And that's the whole point of the fifth point of Calvinism. That we know that if, and I'm not a Calvinist, I'm just explaining it to you. That if, if we know someone is saved, the, the fruit of their life will be the proof of that, of that conversion. Now, if you're a, a, a charismatic or a Pentecostal, you're not reformed, you might be uh, uh, you know, Arminian in your theology, then you believe that people will continue to live holy and not backslide, you know, where they don't believe that you can backslide, but we do believe you can backslide and lose your salvation, but you won't do that. You'll continue living holy. You'll continue living righteously. It's the proof of your salvation. You say, oh, that's not important, brother. If you understood grace, you'd understand that your actions don't matter. It's about what Jesus did, brother, not about what you do. No, it's about what you do also. You don't get saved through works, but after you're saved, there better be some works. Jesus taught that. Paul taught that. Peter taught that. That's apostolic teaching, my friend. And so you can't just do whatever you want after you get saved and say, well, we're under the blood. Amen. We're under the blood. No, you're frustrating the grace of God. You're disobeying the word of God. And so in the mind of a Calvinist, you're either not really saved. It was a false conversion or in the mind of an Arminian Pentecostal charismatic, you have backslidden my friend and you're on your way to hell and you need to turn it around. And so that, that second point is very important. So what's the answer for us? That's the second alert in these end time days. What's the answer for those of us that are wanting to please God. All right. Get, let me give you these things. Are you ready? The answer for number two is this number one, seek sound doctrine. 
Seek sound doctrine. Number two, let the word correct you. Let the word correct you. And number three, don't be offended. <laughs> don't be offended. You know, let me tell you something that's so ridiculous. I've heard people leave church. Well, brother, I left church because the church hurt. I left church, brother, because the church hurt. And then you investigate what the church hurt actually was. And you find out that the church hurt was that the pastor preached something that convicted their lifestyle and they didn't want to change. Pastor's preaching about me from the black. He probably didn't even know. It's probably the Holy Ghost that gave him a word to convict your heart and you got offended because something that you're doing uh, was convicted by the Holy Ghost and you left church because you don't want to submit yourself to the word of God. That's church hurt, brother. I left church years ago because church hurt. And it's people that truly, they're just not willing to let the word correct them. They're not willing to curb their, use self-control, like from the first step, use self-control to not be offended. Don't be offended because you got convicted by the word of God. Let the word correct you and then make the changes. Make the changes. Amen. Make the changes. Amen. So number one, seek sound doctrine. Let, listen, if what you have believed in the past is, uh, corrected by what the word of God, maybe you didn't have access to teaching. Maybe you were in a church that didn't teach that. And now you've got a greater revelation because somebody fully, uh, uh, divided the word of God for you. And you understood via doctrinal teaching, man, I was wrong about that for a lot of years. And I didn't understand I was wrong. Well, your doctrine was off in an area, but that's all right. You can get a greater revelation as you continue to study the word of God. And when I say a greater revelation, I mean your doctrine, your mindset is corrected by what the word of God actually teaches. And then you know what you do when you get that, you get to that point, don't reject it and say, well, I've never believed it like that. I've not, we don't believe, we never were taught that growing up. Well, who cares? They may not have understood the word of God properly, but now that you see the sound doctrine being taught and, and, and preached, let the word correct you and don't be offended by it. Amen. Don't be offended by it. And when these things are corrected by the word of God, be willing and humble enough to say, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. And, uh, I'm going to make that change. I'm going to make that change and understand what the word of God said and believe what it said and conform my life to fit the mold of God's word, not try to make God's word fit the mold of my life. That's what the LGBTQIA, uh, and I'm, that's as far as I'm going. I'm not, I don't care how many other letters they add. I'm not saying any more letters. You're going to take the whole alphabet. I'm not going to sit here for 30 minutes reading every letter. That's what they're doing. They're trying to manipulate and twist the word of God to fit the mold of the lifestyle that they want to live a degenerate, wicked lifestyle. They want to mold the word of God to their mold instead of molding their lives to obey what the word of God says. It's wickedness to add or to take away from what the word of God said is pure wickedness. And so you have to allow your, your life to be molded to fit what the word of God says. Let me read you. Uh, I didn't have this in my notes, but I'm gonna read it to you anyway. Romans chapter 12, listen to verses one and two. Are you ready? Paul writing to the Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what do we do to not be conformed to this world? You've got to let the word of God transform your mind, renew your mind, let it be transformed by the word of God. So that what you'll know what the will of God is. The will of God is the word of God. The will of God is the word of God and the word of God is the will of God. It's revealed to us in these pages. You can know what angers him. You can know what makes him happy. You can know what frustrates him and you know what can let the Holy Spirit flow in your life freely. Amen. 
And so we have to take those actions. Number one, we seek sound doctrine. I can guarantee you this. If I was looking for a church and we've done a broadcast on this about uh, five things you need to look for when you're looking for a church. But if I was going to look for a church to attend a church, you better believe if I went to a church that refused to preach sound doctrine, that'd be the last Sunday you'd see me there. And I wouldn't even go. I'd check their uh, website first to see the what we believe section. And if I see that nonsense on there, we don't, we believe that I don't, we don't believe that the apostolic gifts of the spirit continued into today and that they passed away when the last apostle died. And when the canon of scripture was completed and when the early church was founded, then we don't, you better believe I ain't going because you have completely tried to neuter the Holy ghost and remove his power from the church and the Holy ghost. You can't remove his power from the church and you can't remove his spirit from the earth. And so, uh, you better believe I'm not going to that church. If you, if I go to a church, we don't believe that the baptism of the Holy spirit is for today. Well, that's, that's your business. And you're welcome to believe that, but I'm not attending a church that like that. I'm not, we don't believe that healing is for today. We don't lay hands on the sick as the Bible commanded us to do in James chapter five. We're not doing tough. I'm not coming because I want a church that unashamedly practices sound doctrine and new Testament doctrine. When did the Bible ever tell us, uh, when did the Bible ever tell us, um, to stop laying hands on the sick? I, I don't understand. When did the, when did the apostles ever commanded in written scripture that we should stop laying hands on the sick? I don't understand where that's at or that, where that's found in scripture. When did Jesus say, well, there'll come a day where you won't lay hands on the sick anymore. I don't see that in scripture. I don't see that in the scripture. In fact, uh, it, by the way, it wasn't even just the 12 cause you know, that's the argument a lot of people will make. Well, brother, that was just given to the 12 apostles of the lamb. Well, then how do you, how do you explain the 70 who returned the 70 and said, even the devils are subject unto us. Even the devils are subject. it wasn't the 12, it was 70. You go, you go back and read, uh, early church father history, Irenaeus, Polycarp. You go read those guys that were, were in the first, second century church. And guess what you're going to see? They were still seeing supernatural things take place. Miracles happen. Still seeing the dead raised. I mean, they were seeing supernatural stuff after John, the revelator died. Polycarp was his understudy. They were still seeing it. Irenaeus still seeing it. You go read it for yourself. Didn't stop. When were we ever commanded to stop doing the things that the early church was doing and that the apostles taught and Jesus taught? And there's churches today that, you know why they don't want to practice those things? Because there's a persecution that comes when you walk out sound doctrine. When you do what the Bible commands you to do, there is persecution that follows it. And they don't want to deal with the persecution. They don't want to deal with, uh, you know, laying hands on the sick. It's too messy for our Sunday mornings, brother. They don't want to deal with laying hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't want to deal with teaching the abundance of God and that God will provide for you and your family. They don't want to teach that because there is always a persecution that accompanies it and they don't want to deal with the persecution. They want to be a candy coated, easy to go to church where there's no friction and nobody's uncomfortable or made uncomfortable by anything. It's a waste of time. Teach. Why do you think... Paul commanded Timothy, I charge you, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke. Let me ask you a question. It, which of these churches, these modern day uh, grace churches, arc churches, seeker sensitive churches, how often do you think you hear a rebuke from the platform in the preaching? How often do you think you hear reproof? That a pastor in one of those churches, oh, brother, that would hurt the numbers. Bro, that would, hurt, that would hurt our At The Movies series. How often do you think you hear a rebuke or a reproof in a modern day seeker sensitive church? I can guarantee you this, you don't hear it. Everything's an encouragement. Everything's an encouragement. How many know? No, you're not going to see that. But Paul commanded him, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Amen. That's the, I want to go to a church where I'm going to hear a rebuke sometimes, 
My life needs to be altered sometimes. I want to, I want to go to a church where there's reproof that comes from the platform sometimes. I want my direction to be corrected. I want to come and just hear encouragement and thank God for encouragement. It's part of it. Exhort, edify, encourage. Yes. But that's not all we do. That's only some of it. I want to go to a church where correction comes from. Otherwise, what's the point? I, I can turn on a Tony Robbins uh, stream and get encouraged. I, I can turn podcasts on and get encouraged. Self-help and get encouraged. No, I want to not just be encouraged by the Holy Ghost. I want to be directed and corrected by the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what strong, that's what the victory tribe does. That's what strong Christians do. They're looking for correction. If there's anything in me, Lord, that needs to be corrected, correct me. Let me be corrected. You know why? Because correction is just direction. It's taking you into the blessings of God. Obedience is the key to the blessings of God. Correction is just direction. Lord, if there's something I'm doing wrong that's keeping me out of your full blessing, then correct me through your word, through a man of God, and direct me back into where the blessings are, where they flow. And so that's what we do. We seek sound doctrine. We let the word correct us, and we're not offended. Let me read you the final one. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. This is now we've gone from Paul to Jesus. And Jesus is prophesying here. And I'm going to read to you Matthew 24, verses 9 through 13. 9 through 13. Signs of the end of the age. Are you ready for this? Starting in verse 9, 24, 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. Look at that. And betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Love you, Lisa. Lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Notice that. And the one who endures to the end will be saved. Praise God. So here's Jesus' prophecy. Apostasy, hearts growing cold, and people leaving the faith. So what do we do? What's, what is the answer for this final alert in these end times? Number one, please get this. Understand that the world and the spirit of this world hates you. That, that has to be understood. The spirit of this world hates you. Don't try to make the world happy with your Christianity. Don't try to make the world happy, pastors, with your church. You're not going to make the world happy. The the spirit of wickedness will never be appeased by any amount uh, of, of compromise that you add to your church. Never be appeased. They'll never be appeased. So understand that we are opposed to the spirit of this world and the Antichrist agenda. The world at large and the spirit of this world hates the spirit of Christ hates Christians and hates the church. Understand that and don't be discouraged by the fact that we're hated all over the world for his namesake. We are hated all over the world for his namesake. And I'm happy because Jesus said that if you love me, you'll be hated by others. He said, they hated me first. And of course they're going to hate you. Well, I'm happy because that's a sign that I'm doing something to please God. If the world hates me because of my dedication to Christ, then I must be doing something right that's pleasing God. If the spirit of this world opposes me, must be doing something right. And I'm happy about it. I'd re- See, we're only designed to live to please one person, and that's Christ. And if he's happy with your life, it doesn't matter who's unhappy with it. So number one, understand the world hates you. Number two, and I'll, I'll group these together, pray fast and study and stay faithful to church. Pray fast, study and stay faithful to church. It's called endurance. It's endurance, man. He, I'm going to focus on that, that last word of Christ there in that passage, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
the one who endures to the end. Doesn't mean you don't stop your journey halfway there. It's called endurance. You don't run half the race and say, well, I'm done. No, you run to the end. You run, listen, we're gonna run until we die or until Jesus comes. We're gonna run until we die or until Jesus comes. It's called endurance. We don't stop. I don't care how many other people drop off. I don't care how many other people leave the faith. Amen. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What is that, Tiff? Oh, yeah. That's right. Run until we die or until Jesus comes. That's right. And, that, and that's, that's how we're going to be. Endurance. He that endures to the end. I'm not running half my race and quitting. I'm not going to go half the way and then fall asleep or take my eyes off the prize or switch lanes and go do something else or stop my running to turn and criticize somebody else's running. Amen. E- even when I dealt Friday, for example, even when I dealt Friday with, with the teaching that uh, Dr. Dollar was doing at his church, I'm not here to slam him. I'm not here to slam him or his family or his ministry. I'm dealing with the principle that's being taught. I love him. I pray that he's uh, supernaturally blessed. And I know that he is, but I'm not here to slam him. I'm not here to criticize his race. I'm dealing with the teaching that's going out to the body of Christ. And in principle, we deal with it. We're dealing with the principle, not the person. Amen. And there's times that if a person goes far enough, you can clearly see that they've left the faith. But he's not left the faith, but I don't believe that some of the things that he's teaching. And so I'm not there, again, I'm not there to slam him or call him names or anything like that. Love him, pray he does well. I don't agree with the doctrine, the principle. We, we keep our eyes on the prize. I'm not going to stop running to turn and just spend my life critic. There's people that have YouTube channels. All they do is criticize other preachers. That's the whole YouTube channel. They just sit there and criticize other preachers. That's not going to be my, the goal of my life. And as those of you that watch me know, I'm a, I'm an evangelist first. I have an actual ministry. This is, this is just a portion of what we do. I'm actually holding crusades. I'm actually preaching, actually seeing people saved coming into the kingdom of God. That's the thing God called me to do. We do this to build your faith. We do this to keep you encouraged and to keep you edified and to keep you, uh, you know, stirred up in your spirit. But you know, if, if YouTube and Facebook ended tomorrow, I've got a ministry. That's what I'm called to do. That's what I'm focused on. I'm running my race. I'm going to finish my course. I have no desire to spend my whole life making YouTube videos to just correct what I saw in other people's church services. (laughs) But, but again, what are we doing? Trying to promote healthy doctrine, things that are pleasing to God. And so if there is a principle, we'll talk about the principle. We'll deal with the principle. And we pray that the person is blessed and that the Lord deals with them personally. But he's, I'm not his master. He's not, he's not my servant. As the Bible says, he's the Lord. He works for the Lord. You understand? And so we're not stopping our race to turn and correct someone else's race. That's not what we're called to do. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to run our race, finish our course. And Paul said that finally to uh, Timothy. He said, I've, I've run my race. I've finished my course. Hallelujah. Endurance. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Let me read you these final words from first Timothy four, one and two, and then we're going to pray. This is the new living translation. Now the Holy spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. I refuse to ever get to that place. How do I do it? I let the word of God correct me. I let the word of God correct me. I stay humble. I stay hungry. I stay humble. I stay hungry. I stay self-controlled. I stay grateful for what God's doing in my life. And I'm going to tell you, it's time to make these decisions because I've never seen in my life. I mean, throw your hand up in the comments. I've never seen in my life so many people offended as I do today in this society, in this generation. It's like... We live in an offended, love you, love you, brother Jeff. We live in an offended generation, offended generation. Can't be us. Father, I pray for every person who's watching me today or listening to me. And I pray, Lord, that you would keep us separated from these 
uh, end time traps that Bible prophecy says will come to pass in the lives of those that live in the last days. And so Lord, I ask you, keep us in humility, keep us in thankfulness, keep us in self-control, keep us with a love for your word, sound doctrine. Let us be humble enough to have the word correct us at all times in Jesus name. Lord, I pray that you would empower us, strengthen us to endure and stay faithful and true to what you've called us to do by your word in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that you'd bless your people. Lord, whatever the enemy has sent to try to take them out, their families, their children, their minds, their bodies, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you to touch your precious people today. Bless your precious people today. Give us open doors in the final half of this year to see souls saved like we never have in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We thank you for calling us out of the darkness bringing us into the marvelous light of your kingdom. We are honored to be your children, to be your family, to be part of the body of Christ. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you and we give you all of the praise and the glory. And if you believe it, throw some fire in the comments, throw some hands up. If you're standing with me and believing, thank God that you're a part of the body of Christ. Begin to thank him. Amen, Hope. Thank God that you're a part of the body of Christ. On this Monday, giving you an opportunity to sow a seed by faith. And I'm so thankful. Let me tell you, for our partners, I'm so thankful for the partners that God has given this ministry. We love you very, very much. We do pray for you on a weekly basis. And you guys know, many of you, I text you all the time and say, what is it specifically that you need prayer for? How can I stand with you in prayer? And I love the fact that you text me back and give me your prayer requests. Means a lot to me to stay connected with you. If you're not, but you'd like to be connected, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash text. Love you, Lisa, so much. And you can get connected with us via text message. Fill out the form, goes directly to my phone and we can stay connected. Um, Those of you that are sewing, um, I wanna say this to you as well. Maybe you have never partnered with us at Miracle Word. You've never made a decision to stand with us on a monthly basis. What can you do today and on a monthly basis to stand with Carolyn and with me as we are preaching the gospel, as we're traveling, seeing people not only saved, healed, we've seen people delivered of addictions in in, in supernatural fashion. I'm talking heroin addicts. We've seen things turn around in one day. It's been supernatural. What can you do to stand with us as a partner. You say, what, what can I do this month? Maybe you can't stand it, you know, $100 a month yet or $500 a month, but what can you do? Do what you can do by faith. Go to miracleword.com, click the partner button on the, on the menu and check out all we're doing and fill out that form and stand with us and watch what God will do in your life and use you to do as you stand with us in ministry before Jesus comes. We're doing it as the family of God. We're reaping this end time harvest of souls as the family of God. And for those of you that are standing with us this month at $85 or more, we want to send you Brother Hagin's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. It's a wonderful book. Many people have never taught this. And so we get questions all the time. How do I know that the Lord is speaking to me? How do I know that it's the Holy Spirit and not a good idea? This book will show you. And this is our gift to you for $85 or more this month. And then... For those that are standing at $250 or more, we're going to include uh, E.W. Kenyon's book on the blood covenant. And then those that are sewing at $1,000 or more, we're also including the net study Bible, 60,000 translators notes uh, for you there as well. And uh, I'm very excited for what's coming up. We're getting ready to go to the uproar conference uh, in just really a couple of weeks up in uh, New York. My friend, Pastor Cody Spencer has put this youth conference on now for, I think, 12 years. This is year 12, I think, and um, over a thousand students. It's absolutely free. Listen, it's it's in Elmira, Corning, Horseheads, New York. If you want more details, go to theuproar.org. This is absolutely free. It won't cost you a dime, but it is a wonderful and a powerful move of the Holy Ghost for your young people. And we see people saved. Last year, we saw 121 students baptized in water and uh, people giving their life to Jesus, people getting their call into ministry. I mean, it's, it's powerful. We'd love to have your students there. Uh, all the details are at the uproar, 
www.thepeopleofgod.org. And uh, starting this Sunday, we're going to be in Tomball, Texas at Tomball Assembly of God. If you're anywhere close in the region of uh, Houston, Texas, uh, we would love to see you. It's going to be a powerful week in God's presence, and um, we'd love to see you there. Check out our website for all the details of where we're going to be, miracleword.com. The schedule page has all confirmed meetings, and we'd love to see you live in Revival. Uh, And then we've got our third tent meeting of the year coming up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, right after. It's two weeks from now, and uh, it's going to be great. So we'd love to see you live. It would be great to see you live. Love you guys very much. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything before we go. I don't think that I am, but uh, if you've not signed up to receive the brand new magazine, it's going out in the mail in just a couple of days. And so if you'd like to get our magazine on a quarterly basis, just sign up. Uh, miracleword.com forward slash live. You'll even see it on the homepage. You can click it and it'll take you there. And we'd like to send it to you. If you're watching uh, like Sylvia was from another country like Kenya, we will send you a digital copy of the magazine. You can have it as well. So when you sign up at that link, you'll get it. uh, And uh, it's coming out very quickly, very soon. Love you guys a lot. Thank you for hanging with me today. Appreciate you so very much. Have a powerful Monday. I'll see you in the morning, 1030 a.m. later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.